Good morning. What a blessing it is to see our lead team members, our staff, general staff, our team leaders here in the congregation just to be a little bit of a prayerful and moral support and spiritual support. Great to see a few smiling faces. It's way better to do that than try to preach to a bunch of black chairs. So uh, I'm excited to be here with you today. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Victory Church. And uh, we're still just trusting God, full of faith, believing the Lord for some great things for us for this year, for this summer. I know that we're still, as my daddy used to say, smack dab in the middle, and that's where we are, smack dab in the middle of this whole coronavirus quarantine and the situation that we've been facing here in Arkansas in phase two and our reopening. Uh, obviously, looking to our governor for some direction uh, come Monday because of a significant spike in cases here in our state. And I know that there are a number of you at home that are waiting to, for us to give an announcement on when we're going to be reopening and starting. And we have been making plans and all of that's been very fluid. I appreciate your prayers for us and your understanding. We, uh, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to exercise faith. And we also want to walk in the wisdom of God in terms of care for you as individuals and for all the people of our congregation. So please pray for us. It's a difficult thing. No matter what we do, somebody will criticize it. Closing was easy. Reopening is a challenge. There are those who think we should already have been open. There are those who won't come back until January of 2021. Some who may never come back, and we, we hate that. We know that it's going to be a reopening and a rebuilding, and uh, we're, we're here for it. We're ready. We're, our faith is strong and our trust in God has not been shaken. Uh, I believe that God is good. I refuse discouragement. I believe the people of God, when we see those things creeping in on us, we need to look to Jesus, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, who is the author. He's, he's the originator. He's the one who started it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And so today I'm going to challenge you to look to Jesus and just get a fresh injection of faith and courage and strength to face what is ahead of us, because I believe in, even in the midst of this crisis that we're still dealing with, that we have a calling, we have a mission, we're here for a reason. And so this morning, we are uh, presenting uh, number three in the series called Scent. Very excited about being able to bring that to you today. Um, Pastor Jeremy did a wonderful job last Sunday for Father's Day. I enjoyed listening to his message as I was in Fort um, Fort Worth, I started to say Fort Smith, but it, I was with the Smith family, but I was in Fort Worth, Texas with my son and his wife and my grandson, uh, Henry Wade, who's just growing like a weed and had some wonderful time with some big papa time and, and, and G-boy, grandbaby. And so we had a wonderful uh, weekend together, and, but it's great to be back home. I'm thrilled to be with you this morning, and I'm excited about this message that we have Today, The text is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The scripture says, but you will receive power when it's indicated by something that you're going to receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You're going to get something and there's going to be a product. There's a, there will be a result. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There are four geographical designations here 
that the church begins to move. You drop a rock into a pond, standing on a bridge over a lake, and you begin to see the development of concentric circles. And this is the pattern that we see happening in the New Testament church in the book of Acts. It begins nuclear in Jerusalem, and then it begins to move out into Judea, and then into Samaria, which would be the separation between Judah and Israel. Israel didn't remain true to God, and so they were, began to be known as Samaria, um, kind of what were known that day as some half-breeds. They worshipped some other false gods. And so they were still in Israel when we were talking Samaria. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then out from there to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth. The translation we're using today, the New Living Translation says, to the ends of the earth. And certainly the gospel of Jesus Christ and his ministry through the church, initially through the apostles, apostello, which means sent ones, um, has touched the four corners of the earth, the ends of the world. So we're going to look at Acts through the rest of June, through the month of July, in this little outline, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Um, our one thing that I bring to you, every message that I preach always has one thing, and that's a central idea that I will repeat like um, the chorus of a hymn. You sing the verses, but then you come back to a familiar chorus that you hear again, and you sing another verse, and then you come back to the chorus again. You repeat it. And so my one thing is like a chorus in a song, and we will hear that again so that when you leave, this is something that if you don't get anything else, you've got this concept duly uh, invested into your spirit. The one thing that I'm bringing in this message today is this. The church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world. The church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world. With that thought, let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for these that are here with me today in this room. Thank you for those who've logged in to um, the, the venue, the platform that we're sharing, that they're seeing this today. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our hearts and our lives, that you would do what only you could do, that you would lead us into all truth, that you would equip us and prepare us. Lord, we've learned that uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to save us, but beyond salvation, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to equip the believer. God, help us. Help us to get into your word and understand. Help us to be hungry for your spirit and be filled with your spirit so that we are empowered to do what the word teaches us how to do. We just ask you today that those listening, Lord, would have open hearts and listening ears and that you would challenge, Lord, every one of us to turn our lives to Jesus Christ, to put our trust in the Lord, Father, and to not lean on to our understanding, but to acknowledge you in all our ways, because your word says that in that moment, you will make our paths straight. You will direct our paths. We acknowledge today that we need you, that apart from you, we're nothing. We thank you that with you, Holy Spirit, with you, Lord Jesus, that we can do everything you've called us to do and be. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. The church, the church is a common word in our generation, but it was, it was an innovative idea 
and when it began to emerge on the day of Pentecost. And certainly as the New Testament is written, it's interesting the word in the Greek that was chosen. It's the word ekklesia. Ek is the Greek prefix, which means out of, okay? And then klesia comes from the word kaleo, all right? The Holy Spirit is referred to as the one who is called alongside us, the parakaleo. He comes along to help us. So the church now is called out by the Spirit of God for a purpose, and that is to influence. How do you get that, Pastor? The literal translation of ecclesia is just called out, a people called out. Well, it's interesting because this word was used specifically in the New Testament period to refer to a ruling class of people in the Roman Senate. So the ecclesia in the New Testament period were the senators that were the representatives of the people serving under the Caesar. And uh, they were beginning to move toward, certainly not a democratic state yet, because we have a, a Caesar that has total control, but there is still a vocal representation of the people, the vox populi, the, the people have a voice. And so the senators, senators are representing the people. They are a ruling class. They are what's known as the ecclesia. And when the New Testament begins to be written, it's incredible how the apostles, Paul being one, we're going to look at next week is the life of a sent one. Um, he uses this term to specify the church, that we are a people called out to influence. We are to rule, not from the top down, but to serve the people of God from the bottom up. Jesus said, if you want to be a leader in the kingdom, then you need to not lord over people, but you need to get underneath and serve. Okay, It's one of those reciprocal ideas of the kingdom of God that is upside down. We die to live, we give to receive, we serve in order to lead. And so the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, are called out to influence the world for the sake of the kingdom of God by serving the world, by serving and loving people. Uh, the, the significance of this term is very powerful. The church today doesn't have that idea, doesn't have that mentality. We think about it being a location at a building. And, and this coronavirus has brought us back to the realization that the church is not a location, but the church is a living organism. It's the people of God. It's, there is church in your home. There is church in your community. There's church in your school. There is church at your job when believers are gathered together. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you're holding church services, but I'm talking about the fact that you are in those places with a purpose. You are sent by God. What was our one thing? The church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world. Too often, people in the South think about raising funds, getting a specific group of people, and sending them to Africa or to the islands, to the Caribbean or to Polynesia or to Asia. And it's a special trip where people are sent. And maybe we even lay hands on them and fast and pray and trust God for the miracles of the Lord to take place and souls to be transformed and lives to be changed. And certainly that is uh, appropriate but we far miss the idea of what the purpose of the church is because we are called in victory sent to this community. We are sent to the Delta. Victory is a kingdom representative, an outpost of heaven sitting right here in the Mid-South in the Delta sent 
to bring heaven to bear in the midst of the lives of people that are broken. Now, that's a, that's a newfangled idea for most folk because we've, we've gotten away from this understanding in the New Testament. Now, when we open the book of Acts, we're not going to take a deep dive. We're not doing an expositional series where we go verse by verse, but we're doing a flyover. It's a bird's eye view. There are two views that are predominant about the book of Acts. One is that it's just sort of a very special parentheses in time, a historical view of what happened in that generation only, and it'll never happen again. And that's an extreme view of the cessationist camp of those who think that God doesn't do any miraculous things anymore today. And I'm certainly not in that camp because I believe in the God of miracles. I don't want to just say I believe in miracles. I believe in the God who performs miracles, okay? And uh, there, are, there are those who run hard to the other side and believe that Acts is the challenge for us that it should be, those things should be the norm in every believer in an everyday life. And I think that's an extreme as well. Like so many things, I, I, I abide in the middle and I reach to the extremes of both sides to be informed, okay? Because I think no matter how much faith you have, um, most people are not going to see a dead person raised in their lives. Most people are not going to see a blind eye open in their lives. Because I think that the issue is gifting, it's calling. And this is not a special class of ministries or preachers, but every individual believer that has the Holy Spirit receives power to be witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Therefore, I don't take either extreme, but I see Acts as a pattern for the whole church. And the church is, according to Ephesians 3, the eternal purpose which God purposed in Jesus Christ. You are called out to influence. You are called to change the world by serving the Lord, by ministering to and serving people with God's love. Okay, great, Pastor. How do I start? Well, two things quickly. Think globally. Congregation that's here, set with me. Think globally. Act locally. So we think big and we start small. We think globally, we act locally first. We start in Jerusalem with the view that we will ultimately touch the ends of the world. I've got four points that are going to come at you like bullets. They're going to be really quick. Number one is Acts 2. The day of Pentecost comes, fireworks, it's their Independence Day. It's literally like the fireworks that we see going off uh, in an untimely manner right now. There were uh, booms and things popping uh, at late last night around in my neighborhood. And one of my dogs is very skittish by that and, and was in his kennel and immediately starts barking. And that gets the other two stirred up. And it's probably midnight and I'm getting up out of my bed trying to go calm them down. But they're day of Pentecost, they're outrageous things. They're fireworks that are taking place. It's tongues of fire setting on them. There's the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And people begin to speak in languages that are not necessarily known to them indigenously. It's a, it's a festival in the city. And there are people from the nations of the world that are visiting on the day of Pentecost. And they hear the praises of God in their own language. They leave the upper room after waiting for 10 days, after seeking the face of God and the promise of the Father has been given and they go out into the streets and Peter begins to preach, which is an amazing thing because he's the guy who just about six weeks prior had denied Jesus, had denied that he even knew him. But after Jesus was resurrected, one morning he's cooking breakfast by the shore of the Sea of Galilee and the 
All the guys are back on the boat fishing again, and Peter's the one who sees Jesus at a distance, and he basically jumps into the water and swims to the shore, and he approaches the Lord, and the Lord says to Peter, asking him a question three times, one for every time that he denied Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Third time, Peter is frustrated. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> well, of course, why, why, why do you keep asking me this? He says, feed, lead, guard, guide, protect my sheep. And he is called to be uh, the representative upon which the rock of the church, the foundation, the revelation of the kingdom of God is going to be built. He stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches like a man possessed by God. Courage fills his heart. He's no longer trepidatious. He's not fear. He's not intimidated by anybody. He stands up and begin to be, begins to preach and declare the word of the Lord. What is my point? Most of you will never be called to preach a message, certainly not in a transitional period where it could mean that your life could be taken, but you do have the power of your personal testimony. So Peter's example to us is that you have been authorized to represent now, we know what the word representative means, someone who speaks for someone else. But I want you to stop and see the word. Let's divide it. Re-present. Say that with me. Re-present. The church is called to re-present Jesus to the world because the world has a lot of religious, mythological, just a bunch of add-ons that have been sort of tacked onto who Jesus is. And some of it is the fault of the church because of just faulty teaching. Some of it is just bad southern gospel music that's given us an idea. Some of it's artwork that's given us a, a strange concept of Jesus being a little pale-faced, weak, emaciated dude walking around with a sheep on his shoulders all the time. If anything, Jesus was strong. He grew up being trained in a carpenter's shop. And, and, and I believe with all of my heart that, that he had a love that was bigger than the whole world. One so big that he laid his life down for us and that he poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, you, most folk, will never be called to stand up and preach a message that in that moment 3,000 will get saved. But you are called to represent Christ in your office, at your job, in your school, in your neighborhood. And that doesn't mean that you're preachy, but it means you just have a life that people begin to ask questions you know, I've seen you go through some difficult times. How are you making this? Well, thank you for asking. And then that moment, you have a wide open door to share your testimony. The Bible says in Romans, I'm not Romans, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him, the evil one, Satan, they overcame him by the power of the blood, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives even unto the death. You, you want to overcome the evil one in your life? Begin to speak what God's done in your life. Look what the Lord has done, even as the demoniac said. The church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world. Point number two, we move from Acts 2 in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Day of Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 get saved. They get up the next morning and hear Peter and John walking toward the temple and there is a lame man who's been lame from birth and he's seated begging he's rattling his tin cup he's at the gate beautiful which was a specific location at the entrance of the temple and he's looking to peter and john rattling his cup and they look at him and they say we don't have any money let me quote it from the king james 
It sounds religious. It sounds churchy. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. All right. Now, just like I told you that most folk are not going to be called to preach a message where 3,000 people get saved, I don't believe most folk are going to have the challenge where you're going to lay hands on a lame person and they get up and walk. But I believe that the point that I want to bring this morning, the next one, is that you are authorized to bless. You're authorized to give out. This is what Peter said. We don't have any money, but what we do have, we give it to you. We've got a deposit of Jesus inside of us. We've got, we are full of the Holy Ghost. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, guess what? Every individual believer in the body of Christ has some gifts that God intends for you to walk in. Everybody doesn't have gifts of healings, but you may have an encouraging gift. You may have a prophetic gift. You may have a gift of mercy. You may be one who has faith where every time you're around somebody, people just leave feeling better. You know, it's almost like that person is a cheerleader because you get around them and you just feel stronger. And that's because faith is operating in your life and you, you have the ability to, to, to articulate that. You're vocal. Now, you may never lay hands on somebody and see them as lame people get up and walk, but you are authorized to bless. You are duly authorized and empowered to give out of what God has given you. If you have faith, then let your faith be poured out to others. If you're an encourager, learn how to encourage people around you. This is what the church is called to do. Remember, the church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world because we can't give what we don't have, but we give out of what we have been given. So as you are hungry for the Spirit of God and the Word of God and what we do in the Spirit, we must have it governed by the Word because the Spirit is not going to tell us or lead us to do something that would be contradictory or contrary to the Word. But as we learn how in the Word and we are empowered to do by the Spirit, then you are authorized as a believer, sent to your community, sent to your job, sent to your family. Parents, you're called to raise young champions. Encourage, bless, invest, challenge, correct when is necessary. Point number three, we move to Acts chapters 4 and 5. The, 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 the man at the gate, beautiful, gets up, and there are two miracles that take place. Not only is he strengthened in his ankles and his knees, and, but he begins to walk. Two miracles took place. Not only was he no longer lame, but a guy who was lame from birth gets up and knows how to walk immediately. Now, I don't know about you, but both my children, it took a while. They toddled around. And, and they fell, and we would stand them back up, and we would encourage them. Oh, yay, Drew, that's great. Oh, Abby, that's so wonderful. And, and, and as I was with Henry Wade this, this week, he's pulling up, and he's starting to take a step. And, and, and you go through that process, but something happened in that moment, a, a miracle that is indescribable. He, he not only had a healing in his bodily structure, in his physiology, but he got up immediately and knew how to walk. He had, a, had an established um, uh, equilibrium that he knew how to take steps and begin to walk. And the scripture says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Now, how many of you know when God does miracles in our lives, it empowers you to uh, do a walk that you couldn't do apart from the Spirit? And it'll give you some leap in your step. 
And ultimately what will come out of your mouth will be praises unto the Most High because He is the one who empowers us. He is the one who equips us to be a sent representative, to represent Christ to the world. You are authorized. I love it. You're authorized to represent, to speak out. Point number two, you're authorized to bless, to give out. Point number three, in Acts chapters 4 and 5, Peter and John get called before the Sanhedrin, the religious council. You know, it's interesting. Because when you start to do something for God, do you know it's not the sinner that's going to criticize you? It's the church. It's the religious people. It's the folk who ought to be excited about seeing something happen. It's the folk who've talked about it for years but have never had the energy or the commitment to actually seek God. Some of them not even hungry for it because they're spiritually dead. And when somebody comes on the scene that is alive with the Spirit of God, that has a life-giving message, and it's not just churchy, they're not just preachy, they're not filled with a bunch of Christianese that people don't understand, but they're real people serving a real God in the real world. That upsets religious folk. And so Peter and John get called before the Sanhedrin, and they, they, they threaten them. They say, you, you've got to stop this. Quit preaching this Jesus and this resurrection from the dead. And they both said, you know what? We, we want to honor you, but there's no way we're going to stop. We have to. This is what we're called to do because we've seen him. He is alive, and, and he has filled us with his spirit and with his presence. And they challenged him, and they called the man forward who had been healed, and they heard his testimony. He went right back through it and said, these guys came up to me and said, we don't have any money, but what we have, because they were authorized to bless, to give out, they gave out what they had. He gives that testimony, and it's irrefutable. The religious folk couldn't argue with it. How many of you know when you have a testimony that says, I once was blind, but now I see. I was addicted, but now I'm free. Whatever you were, but now you're something else. When you share what God's done for you, people can't argue with that because it's your story. That's how powerful your testimony is. And the Scripture says they threatened those men and something came on them. This is my third point. They were bold. The Scripture says they are, that we are authorized for boldness and that is the people of God are called to stand out. When we represent, we speak out. When we bless, we give out. When we're bold, we stand out. And they... The scripture says they declared in the face of that council, salvation is found in no other name under heaven given among men. It's the name of Jesus by which we must be saved. And they said, we will not be silent. And this is what I want you to, what I want you to see. The testimony of the healed man. He just basically said, look what the Lord has done. Folk, the Holy Spirit fills believers to give us a boldness, not to be uh, to be obnoxious, not to be brash, but to be bold in love. And just, just flat take a stand, to stand out for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God. And, and, and I love this because the scripture says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I want to tell you in this day, in this crisis, a world that is filled with fear needs a church that is filled with faith. My, my, my. We need that. Holy Spirit, help us. Fill us today. Because when we're full of the Holy Spirit, we'll be filled with faith. We won't be talking about impossible things. We'll talk about what's possible because the Scripture says that if we believe God, all things are possible. Oh, I wish I, wish I had a church full this morning that could help me a little bit. Thank, thank you, team. I appreciate a couple of amens this morning. 
The Church of Jesus Christ is the duly authorized kingdom representative sent on mission to the world. Folk, if we will trust God, he will give us fearless influence because we're called out to influence by serving people. We are sent to our job. We're sent on mission. We are apostello. The church is sent to the world. Acts 6 and 7, my last point, and I'm finished this morning. You start to see some controversy. Everything's still happening in Jerusalem, and we see a social justice issue that arises. A group of people are being ignored, and the apostles get word. There are some representatives that basically launch a, a small protest, which is kind of like what we see happening right now in America and around the world, and they go to the apostles, which were the present authority in the New Testament church, and they said, we have a whole group of people over here that are ignored. Their voices are not being heard. It's a bunch of Greek widows. So it's, a, it's an ethnic, it's a national, it is a language speaking, it's a tribe, it's a group of people that feel disenfranchised. Isn't it incredible how when you actually open your eyes and read the Bible, you see the problems we're still having were actually present in the New Testament church, but we don't pray and seek the Holy Spirit to help us solve them the way they did. And so immediately they call for a new level of representation, some delegated authority, some deacons, diakonos, which means ministering servant, okay? And so they, they call out a group of men, and by the way, it will later include women. Phoebe, Phoebe was a deaconess in the church. There are others in the New Testament. But this initial group was a group of brothers, and it says they were full of the Holy Spirit and of good reputation. Okay, that means that they've got a life that is consistent with their lip. What they're talking is not just empty words, but their walk matches their talk. And Stephen was one of those. Stephen, as you know, will in just a few moments in this passage become the very first martyr. He stands up in being challenged, and he goes back and gives a quick history lesson of how God delivered them going all the way back to the patriarch Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, and here comes the promised son Isaac, 400 years in slavery in Egypt. God raises up Moses. He takes them through David's ministry as a king, moves through a quick overview of history, and he begins to tell them, in this moment, God sent this one that we've longed for for millennia, for generations, this Jesus who is the Lord and the Christ, this one who is the Messiah, and you crucified him. And he brings a word that pierces their hearts, and they begin to, the scripture says, gnash their teeth. They're growling, they're grinding their teeth because they're so angry. Religious people got angry when the word of the Lord began to be spoken to them. And it's a sad story because they took up rocks and stones and they began to stone Stephen over to the side as a young, brilliant student of the law of God by the name of Saul, who will later have an encounter on the Damascus Road, who God calls him Paul from that point on. Saul means demanded. Paul means a little one. So when God transforms your life, he'll actually do a, a change inside you, who you are. And so that's the story for next week. But Saul is holding all the coats. He is, he is accountable for Stephen's death because he's an accessory to the murder. And in the moment where Stephen is stoned, he looks up to heaven and he sees the heavens opened 
and he sees Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And in that moment, he declares that, and they become even more angry, and they're throwing stones, and life is leaving out of him. And his last words were, Father, do not hold this sin to their charge. So much like Jesus who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know. How many of you know God loves people who don't know? God loves us in our ignorance, but when we come to him, he loves us too much to leave us that way. Stephen's life became a catalytic moment. It became a moment that caused the dispersion of the church into Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That that change in Acts 7 right there moves it out of just local and the church begins to go abroad. You start to see the missionary journeys of Paul and they're touching nations and God raises up a church in Antioch and, and all of these various miracles of God begin to take place as the church begins to spread out of just locally and they begin to act globally as well. Let me show you a quick parallel before I end this message. I believe in the same way that Stephen's death was a catalytic event in the New Testament church. I think George Floyd's death has been a catalytic event in the world to cause people to rise up and say, okay, let's actually sit down and start talking about this and deal with what we've never dealt with before. Pastor, are you saying that, that George Floyd is the Steve and I? Absolutely am saying that, that God has used this. Did God do it? No, I think God always works together things that happen in our lives for our good. And I believe he's doing this for the believers. And I think he's doing this for the world. And I think he's doing it for a group of people that are crying out to God that are saying, Lord, let us live in a nation that is true to the words that we were founded on, that all men are created equal and are endowed with their creator with certain inalienable rights, that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we want that for every person who has breath in their lungs, red, yellow, black, or white. This morning, I'm, I'm just a little bit long, but I just want to say this. Most of you will never be called to become a martyr. Stephen, the word witness in the Greek is marturion. Stephen became the first martyr. His life was a testimony as a witness to the Christ that was resurrected. And it changed the world. That's what moved the church out of a Jerusalem only, just a little stay in this spot kind of a mentality where they literally began to reach out and touch the whole globe. And so I want to say to you this morning, we at Victory here, we, we know that God's called us. This is our Jerusalem. This is, this is our central location. This is the nucleus of where we touch. We're supposed to minister here first. And then we reach out beyond these walls. And then we touch those in the surrounding areas out in the county and then the tri-state area. And then ultimately raise up teams that are going to touch the whole world. And you know, the amazing thing is, is through technology, we have the testimonies of people that are watching this just via Facebook, via YouTube, other platforms that we will eventually be on that can be seen around the world. So Victory Church, right now in this moment, is moving in that direction to not just stay in one location. And we're thankful for those that are watching this online. You have the call of God on your life. Those of you that are here this morning to help me, thank you. You have a call of God on your life. You are the representative, the kingdom representative of Jesus Christ, duly empowered, authorized 
to represent Jesus sent on mission to the world. That's what the church is about. That's why I'm so hungry to get us back in here together. We want to we want to do that with wisdom. We want to do it in faith. And this morning, I just want to say to you that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, that the love of God is greater than any problem you're dealing with. It's more powerful than any sin that you struggle with. In this moment, you have the ability, because of the Holy Spirit, to just reach out and say, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I put my trust in you. This this message that pastor is talking about is exciting to me, and I want that kind of empowerment. I want to walk with you, Lord, where I can open your word and you speak to me from those pages and you just you nudge me by the Holy Spirit in my own heart and you lead me and you guide me. But you know something? Unless you've ever crossed the line of faith and put your trust in Jesus, that's the first step you take and to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. The Father loved you so much that he gave his only son so that we might walk in a relationship, not in religious observance or demands, but in a relationship, a relationship of love. And this morning as we close this message, right where you are in your living room, driving down the interstate, if you're connected and you're listening to this in, the, in some point in the future, I just want to say to you, Jesus knows right where you are. He knows where you are geographically. He knows where you are in time. Somebody who's listening to today's message, June 28th, 2020, and you may be listening to it in 2021. And so I want to tell you, God knows where you are in space, and he knows where you are in time. And he's reaching to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're ready to cross the line of faith, bow your hearts with me and pray these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for this encouragement today. Thank you for the power of your word and the equipping of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that I know you're drawing me. And I look to you. I trust you, Lord. Jesus, save me. Pray those words. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me, O God, to understand what you've called me to do and be. Lord, thank you that you've sent me to my family and to my job and to my community to be a representative of the kingdom of God to the world. I thank you today for your blessing upon my life. I'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Thank you for logging in today. Thank you, team leadership that's here today. We're excited about all that the Lord is doing. We'll be making an announcement uh, very soon about our actual reopening. Uh, those of you that are in the area, we'd love to have you. If you want to come tonight, we're having a prayer service this evening, actually live. We encourage you to wear masks. Uh, Facial coverings, those are preferred. If you don't have one, we have one and provide it for you here. We won't sell it to you like some stores do, but we'll provide it for you free. And uh, we'll have a wonderful worship set list put together and some time in worshiping the Lord. And then just a prayer service. No preaching tonight, but that's at 6. It'll be about maximum one hour, probably about 50 minutes is what it'll be. But we'll social distance. And uh, when you come in and get in your seat, then you can remove your mask. But then when you leave again, then put it back on again. So we want to observe what we've been asked to do, uh, to walk in wisdom. And we also want to begin to trust God in faith for the next steps he would have us to take as a congregation. So thank you for being with us today. We love you. Amen.